0: Good day, everyone. James Hicks here from Hicks New Media. Welcome to Perspectives and Focus, where we have those long-form conversations highlighting people, industries, ideas, and technologies that are making positive strides within society. You know, that mantra statement truly defines and rings true for today's session and the discussion that we are about to have. Today's topic is the use of artificial intelligence for social good. With today's discussion, we're going, to, you know, we're going to begin to bridge kind of the gaps between science, technology, medical research, and the overall technology industry, and really understanding how those organizations, those industries are working together to kind of tackle the big challenges facing humanity today. My panel today includes members of leadership from both Intel and Enzolytics, Clifton Roberts. Clifton Roberts serves as the global director for business acceleration, governments, markets, and trade at Intel. Nikhil Deshpande, who is the director of security, high performance computing, and graph analytics at Intel, and then Dr. Guara Chandra is a healthcare professional who's been in experience for over 15 years managing complex activities within the healthcare industry. His experience encompasses clinical expertise, academic research, and experience with clinical trials and medical devices. Currently, he serves as the chief operating officer at Enzoletics, which is a Texas based biotech company with technology focusing on treating infectious diseases. And currently, his company is focused on big things therapeutics for treating HIV and coronavirus. You know, there's a white paper that's out there that's titled Optimizing Empathetic AI to Cure Deadly Diseases. That white paper was authored by the members of today's panel. So we're, we're definitely going to dive deeper into that. And with that being said, I definitely want to bring on these gentlemen. So gentlemen, welcome to the panel.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you, Thank you, James. I'm Thank you James. Glad to be here.
0: Thank you very much as well. So, you know, so I I gave some very high level introductions in terms of who you are, credentials, position and things of that. But I would be remiss if I didn't allow you your individual time to tell folks who you are. And I'm going to start, uh, if you don't mind, from my left with Mr. Clifton
3: Roberts. James, first of all, thank you for having us on. We are looking forward to the conversation. And as you mentioned, I work within our government's markets and trade group at Intel Corporation. I've been with Intel for 10 years. And within government markets and trade, we um, engage with government, government actors. We engage with private sector actors to determine um, public policy drivers uh, to move forward and move the needle on ways to tackle some of society's biggest challenges, whether it's employment and and demystifying artificial intelligence, getting the workforce ready for the future, um, looking at ways to, like you said, optimize AI, empathetic AI, to tackle some of the diseases that um, society is facing. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm just thrilled to be here and uh, look forward to this discussion. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Appreciate you, appreciate you, sir. Nikhil, let's uh, have you, sir, please introduce yourself.
2: Sure. Thanks, James. And uh, let me second that. Uh, I'm excited to be here because in your introduction, you mentioned a perfect Venn diagram of life sciences, healthcare, technology, and the industry. So I'm basically the director of uh, AI, HPC, and security at uh, Intel's Data Platforms Group. Um, in there, we have an office of the CTO where we are exploring advanced technology and advanced architectures to meet the needs of the future use cases. And I basically run this uh, analysis and exploration that we are doing around this PUMA program that is going to be a complementary circle of that Venn diagram of the work that Clifton is driving and the gaurav is driving from various angles.
0: Fantastic, thank you, sir. Dr. Shonda, we cannot forget you. We save. Did I save the best for last? No. Let's. Let's. Uh, if you could tell the thank folks you who so you are, much. sir. Thank
1: you so much. It, it's an honor and privilege to be in such august company. Actually, thank you so much for having me here for this talk show. Uh, before I proceed, I'd like to thank all the feedback and suggestions, the positive feedback that we've received from people, group of entities, uh, following this white paper, and we are extremely grateful and overwhelmed with the response that we have received. Uh, I am currently the Chief Operating Officer and the Vice President of Research and Development of Uh And I also lead the artificial intelligence platform at uh, AngelLytics. And AngelLytics, as you mentioned, is a drug development company. We are based in Texas and the three strategic focus for the company or a development of an inactivated pepsin fragment, which is a uh, therapy for HIV. Then we have a monoclonal antibody program. Uh, and then we also have an artificial intelligence program that complements the development of monoclonal antibodies. And we are very excited to be here and talk about our artificial intelligence program. Thank you again.
0: Fantastic. Appreciate that. You, you know, I, I'm going to... Set up the conversation, but at at the end of the day, I really again want you, subject matter experts. I want you superheroes, as as we talked about during kind of the uh, the, the pre call, to to use this forum and use this time to really dialogue. But I, I do want to focus on some key aspects. I want to talk about how. I want to talk about what. I want to talk about why, and then I want to talk about what's next, right? And and all of those kind of circumvent and and involve the white paper that, that you all have co-authored and really the, the movement forward and what the white paper actually has for the future. So if one of you could uh, talk to us about how did the white paper kind of as a thought leadership exercise between Intel and Inzalizic start?
1: I think Clifton is the best person to talk about it because I think uh, he's the one who's talked in the process. Clifton, go ahead.
3: Sure, sure. So thanks for that. That's a fantastic question. Uh, some of you know, and, and at least my, my colleagues and friends on the call know that a few years ago, just two years ago, I lost a daughter. She was only 18 years old, um, lost her um, to mental health issues. And I have no doubt in my mind that had she gone into the emergency room the day of her distress, um, it had A.I., been able to free up some of the mundane or, you know, just remedial tasks that emergency room uh, healthcare practitioners are, are doing, and were, they were able to focus on, hug, you know, hugging her and telling her that she's going to be okay, um, that she wouldn't have been released. And later on, she would not have taken her own life. So, having worked at Intel at that time, that hit me very, very hard. And I promised her that I would do anything in my power um, to leverage the influence that I have at Intel um, to keep her memory alive as well as to help others. And so, occasionally on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever it is, I, I look at, I always search for hashtags AI happened to come across this great post from this doctor at some strange company um, saying that they're using artificial intelligence to find commonalities between this potential cure that they have for HIV and they're finding the similar commonalities with uh, other viruses. And I was uh, immediately caught my attention because it seemed like they were marrying technology and, 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 and medicine. And so I just reached out to this doctor who happens to be on the call, Dr. Gaurav Chandra. And I asked him, I said, I think the first thing I asked him was, I'm curious, fascinated by your work, by the way, are you using Intel chips? <laughs> <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and, right. um, and uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm just curious to talk more about this. And the more that we talked, um, yes. the more that I became fascinated by his work, I became impressed by his work his personal mission, the mission of the others, you know, in, in his leadership team. And then I reached out to Nikhil. Nikhil and I are longtime partners. And I said, Nikhil, my friend, you have to see this. And so the three of us got together. Um, I proposed that we write a white paper. And that is how this all started. And God, I don't know if you have anything to add, but. Because
0: we definitely yes, want I- he- to hear about the the, uh, the the tweet, right? So I, I know you, you said you, you saw it out there, but definitely go into a little bit more details about that. So please, Dr. Chandra
1: Yes, actually. I mean, it has started, I think it was on LinkedIn, actually, and I think it was, uh, in fact, I remember the date, 1st of February when we announced that we had now discovered the conserved sequences are immutable sites for COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And I think 2nd of February is when... Uh, uh, Clifton reached out to me, and since then it's been an amazing journey. Actually, we and and uh, you both can agree with that. That it has been such an interesting journey for us. I mean, it's been four months, but what we have achieved with this with this collaboration, the paper that we put together, uh, I'm really impressed with what. We have done as a team. And the more important thing is there is like a purity. It's like there is a, we've come together and gel together. And actually, like, it's 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 really interesting how technology and science has also uh, like melted together. And we'd be proposing an idea that could actually change medicine. And I'm really excited that uh, that we, we, we went ahead and did this. Nikhil, if you have something to say.
2: Yeah, I was going to, I was just uh, engrossed in the, in the events that uh, Clifton was talking about. And um, Clifton knows this very well. And Gaurav, you know as well, um, it's not the technology that is that is the important part. It is the, it's the outcome of that technology. What is it going to create impact on the society? Yeah. And sure. that's what we get excited about at Intel is we want to touch everybody's life on this earth. And this is an opportunity to provide the best possible health outcomes for our populations on on Absolutely. this earth the globe and 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 enable that through the technology we need to make some sure. changes to technology we need to come up with technology innovation we need to have innovation mm-hmm. on the on the life sciences side that uh, gaurav is driving and we need to have the same exact mental model and mentality about why we are here what's our purpose here our Mm. purpose is much bigger than you know creating a technology much bigger than creating Mm. um creating you know the best balance sheet the purpose is Mm. to actually drive something good for the society and that's what got me excited about writing this Mm. paper where the role of technology clearly emphasizes Mm. how we are enabling that
1: absolutely absolutely i agree
0: What's very interesting, and I and I do want to highlight this is we've got technologists, we've got scientists, we've got medical professionals here, and and the goal of the conversation, and I'm going to say the goal of the the, the white paper in and of itself, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, was not financial, it was not necessarily, not it was not economic. I've I've heard the statement from from many of you already about just the, the human nature, the purity of the work, and really striving to to solve common issue issues that are facing society as a whole, right? So we, we haven't talked anything about servers. We haven't talked anything about storage, networking, like from the technology side. We haven't talked anything about, again, how much funding it costs, any any money, any memorandums of understanding. None of that stuff, right? You gentlemen, and I want folks, when they, when they actually do watch this, to understand that the story, like the story that Clifton told about, about his daughter, the, the fact that you guys are really... Focus on the goodness of the work and what it does and what it's going to do for the overall, for overall humanity. So that, that really yeah. needs to be commended. And I've used the term, like I said before, you are some true superheroes. So I'm just, just fortunate and honored to be part of this discussion. Um, I, I may have already answered the question, but I, I think a, a good high level question before we go a little bit further is, what is, what makes that white paper so important, right? What is the goal of it? And, and, and what is it that, that you, doctor, from the Enzolytics perspective, and you, Nikhil, and Clifton, are trying to really pursue from it from the Intel perspective?
1: Okay. Uh, what I can say is, let me just uh, just explain the this, this scenario. I mean, we are living in very difficult times. I mean, COVID has uh, had a significant impact on on. The, our healthcare systems and actually challenging our healthcare resources and and hospitals. And apart from that, it has had devastating uh, effects uh, on society at large. What we are thinking is this pandemic has not just affected one person, one family, one community, or one country. All of us have been affected. And so what we are trying to achieve is come together as a group and to to see if we can find a solution. That's what this white paper represents actually. And from an AI standpoint, what we're saying is AI is is a necessity to move forward. We can achieve something what we call as a a bench to a bedside model, which actually helps in better clinical decision-making. It helps our doctors in making decisions. It helps in optimizing resources. And as far as I'm coming from, I think there are three essential focus for AI in handling this epidemic in, the, uh, in this pandemic and the other diseases. We talk about diagnosis and risk prediction. We talk of drug development, and then we talk of pharmacogenomics and population genetics. And the good thing is work has been done in these fields. So there's a group that actually developed uh, a protocol that uses clinical symptoms labs, uh, lab tests, and other factors to predict the risk of developing respiratory complications in covid patients. There's a University of Cambridge risk prediction model where they actually can predict with accuracy the chances of patients requiring ventilators, uh, the chances of patients requiring ICU admissions, the chances of mortality. And then, then we come back to the drug development uh, part that we are doing, and we're very excited with the AI platform that we are developing, where we have discovered these conserved sites or immutable sites for viruses, and then they create monotone antibodies that target these specific sites, and we are developing what we call as universal, durable, and broadly applicable neutralizing antibodies. So that's what we are very excited about. In this current scenario, if you look around the vaccines that patients are receiving, what we have seen is uh, there is a study out there that said that there were some side effects that were noted in patients. And there's, an, uh, there's a study that said that they noted myocarditis, which is an inflammation of your heart in, in younger patients. This is something that AI can actually solve. What, what we can do is we can look at the sequences that these vaccines are targeted and then match with the the organ systems of the body. And then we can actually predict the chances of side effects uh, 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 with these vaccines. The more important thing is how it translates going forward. We can actually use this opportunity and advance the development of other drugs. That's why this becomes so exciting. And then we also talk about pharmacogenomics and population genetics. So pharmacogenomics is the study of uh, a patient's genome uh, as, uh, and seeing how an individual will respond to a particular drug. That is a very exciting aspect of things. And then uh, then we talk about population genetics. There are certain blood groups that are associated with a high chance of, of not developing respiratory symptoms. That That is something that we could look at, something that has been overlooked. And this is, I think, we we are already working on this, it's called long COVID, which is like a lot of patients have recovered from COVID, but they're still having these palpitations, this mental fogginess. These symptoms are still there, and we still don't know why that's happening. We would like to look at the data set of these patients and find out which patients are are likely to get these symptoms. So these things are all there. What we need to do is put a collaborative approach, put all these together. And I think in finding a solution to this current pandemic, we will actually evolve healthcare. And that's why we are excited about this.
0: Fantastic.
2: I, I love, uh, James, if you don't mind, I, I love what Gaurav is describing as where we want to be. Mm. and And I want to be in that world. I want everyone to be in that world where we don't, have to go through what we have gone through over the last uh, 18 months and some countries are still going through and um, the, the the key point that i i captured from gaurav is everything that he talked about has a life sciences part the biology part and then there is the analytics part the ai and when you think about ai you have to think about ai for good how can we use this technology for good this is a perfect example of using something for good and of Mm -hmm. course we have to be careful about the explainable ai we should be able to explain what this ai is doing we have to be responsible with it all that is there but the fundamental problem with ai is ai is all about data it is about how much data how much experiences think about ai as if it's like you're learning from your experience and then applying to future But how do you actually learn from a data that is growing so exponentially that a Agora is driving some sort of biological invention, innovation, Mm -hmm. understanding some protein-to-protein interaction? How can we enable those use cases with the right technology? And the fundamental thing that in the white paper that we want to bring from the technology point of view is, you need to think differently about the technology that you need to solve the problem that uh, Gaurav just talked about. It is about pattern matching. It is not about you know traditional compute. Let's do significant number of floating point operations. It's not about that. It's about traversing what he has found relationships across various proteins and genes. And uh, this is beyond me. Uh, Gaurav, you're the expert here. But what I understand is uh, this is a big data problem. And we need to create a technology that will meet the challenge that he is giving it to us. He is a biologist. He is giving us a challenge saying, I know if I go through this data in certain manner, I can find the pattern and I can solve those problems. I can predict the future. I can actually start creating drug discoveries and start creating new drugs that will solve the future problems. Hmm. In order to aid that, you need a technology. And that's where... My group is developing Puma technology, and that's the technology that we are actually looking at to support it, so that when he deals with terabytes of data, petabytes of data, how do you get insights from that data using the right compute? And, And you need to think differently about the compute as we move forward. It's not the traditional compute that we can throw at this problem because you're actually looking at a different shaped problem, not the traditional compute problem. That's amazing.
3: Right. Yeah. And James, if, if, I can, if I can add on to that, I mean, so you have these corners of our playing field to your question about why is the paper so important, right? And so you have the medicine, you have the life sciences, you have the analytics that God of is a visionary about to use and leverage. You have Nikhil saying that, you know, this is a big data problem. So we need hardware to make sense of the, the, this huge network of data. And so, you know, our role within governments markets and trade at Intel is to, to find the challenges at a public policy level that we need to be able to get over. Right. And then kind of lay out a public policy roadmap, if you will, the policy drivers, that we, as a group within Intel at governments, markets, and trade, that can go then now go and engage with government actors and say, "Hey, look, here are the challenges, and here's a potential roadmap, so that we can make things happen." I mean, you know, to 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 Nikhil's point, this whole big data problem. You know what we've learned in within the white paper and what we identified um, in the puzzle section is that there are some significant challenges, right? I mean, data, you know, data, it resides in multiple locations. It's all over the place, right? It's in the form of pictures, it's in the form of text, and medical records on apps and all of this. You know, when Nikhil and I first started working together, we started talking about the concept of federated machine learning, secure federated machine mm. learning. So there's privacy aspects in the way that we're able to, to harvest that data, harness it, And analyze it, right? And so that's where he's an expert at this. Um, You know, my colleagues at Intel uh, that that work with me in the government group, uh, folks like Ricardo Masucci that says it takes data to protect data, right? And and you have other colleagues that say that government needs to take a look at this. Um, As we look at vertical solutions, we need to look at ways that AI can help. Um, You have other problems like structured versus unstructured data. Um, Even the way that we uh, come up with the speed in which we come up with discoveries, you know, the paradox of the way that we come up with discoveries is that our curiosity continues to enhance our understanding, but we simultaneously develop additional breakthroughs just when we're starting to understand something. And so since AI is a constellation of technologies that continue to learn, right, on its own, It'll help us extend our own natural intelligence. And then, so once we understand what those challenges are, that's what we tried to do in this white paper. Mm. Then we can develop at a very, the highest level possible at the government level and get their buy-in on a potential roadmap. Yeah, makes
2: sense. I I love it, I love it, Uh, Clifton. uh, I'm going to add one more. I, I love the idea of it takes data to secure data. It's to protect data. Uh, here's the other thing James we are dealing with in this situation yeah. Data is having trouble finding data you are true? you have so much data that you can't find the data it, it's, okay. It's, okay it's it's a fundamental issue that we're going to deal with. I just wanted to add that because i I love those those type of thinking. What fundamental problems we are dealing with?
0: That's an interesting point. And, and Cliff, I'm, I'm glad that you talked about kind of the, the policy drivers and things of that nature because that was actually going to be kind of a, a next question that I had for you. But, Nikhil, you, you brought up a, a term, technology, when you were speaking, Puma. And can you just go into a little bit more detail in terms of exactly what, what is Puma, just for folks that are that are watching and for the
2: layman? Yeah, sure. Um, so, Puma stands for Programmable Integrated Unified Memory Architecture, it's the technology or architecture at the systems level that we are exploring, okay? Um, any compute system, you think about three aspects. You think about compute, memory, and IO, or a network. And you hinted at that, uh, uh, James, uh, in the beginning, mm-hmm. that we are, talk- we are not talking about those aspects, but now we are talking about compute or systems, we have to think about these three. Typically, we develop the technologies or compute systems with compute in first in mind, then memory, and then network. But the problem that Gaurav is talking about or any life sciences pattern matching problem is about traversing through the data and find the patterns. Mm -hmm. That is fundamentally a network problem. It's not a compute problem per se, because you are not really, you're actually what you're trying to do is you're trying to fit the puzzle piece and trying to see where it fits. But the puzzle is so big that you have to go from place to place, to place, to place. And that place-to-place going is nothing but network. So Puma architecture that we have come up with, it basically flips the prefer- the priorities exactly opposite, okay? We first think about network, what sort of IO and the network capabilities we need to have. Then we talk about memory, because you need bigger memory to, conduct, mm-hmm. to contain that big data, right. and then compute. And this is the architecture that we are exploring to make sure that we are providing the fastest and deepest insights for the use cases such as life sciences, pattern matching, drug discovery, and so on. And those use cases go beyond that. But it's basically a fundamental idea of how do I get those insights deeper and faster from that huge amount of data. If you don't go in that data, you might have a lot of data, but no insights. And that's the problem that we are facing with. And Puma technology, the architecture that we are developing, basically goes after that problem by changing fundamentally the architecture of the system.
0: So I'm an engineering technologist by education and trade. <laughs> so I'm going to continue to let you talk for a second. Uh, graph analytics, I, I understand, I, I understand, but again, I, I it's, it's a key. Question that it came from the crowdsourcing effort that I had. So, Nikhil, if you could talk a little bit about graph analytics, please. Sure.
2: No, this is this is very exciting. I um, will not.
0: I will not forget the other two gentlemen on the panel. But I, I me, me and Nikhil are kind of kind of blending <laughs> this right is now. Serious. So this is, this is good stuff. Yes.
2: So, so here here's the thing: uh, to ask ourselves to understand graph analytics, ask yourself: when you look at any person, how do you quickly identify who that person is? Mm-hmm. You didn't do any ResNet type analysis, going after all the memory that you had about people and then you try to match them, you didn't. What you did was your brain is a graph. Your brain actually connected various neurons and connections to make sure, yeah, this pattern looks like, you know, this picture looks like Clifton. I have seen him once and I know how it should look like roughly, I'm going to go with that. So graph is nothing but making sense of out of the data in terms of relationships. So if you have a large amount of data and then you want some insights from it, and, and Clifton talked about unstructured data. This is particularly true for unstructured data. If you want insights from that, you want a good representation of that data, which it doesn't have any schema dependency and so on. And graph allows you to actually represent any data in that format. And the typically the graph analytics means analyzing that graph rapidly so that you can get the insights from that graph. And a graph has fundamentally two components. You have nodes and edges. Think about your uh, Twitter. You are on a Twitter and you are actually connected to other people. That's a graph. Mm. That's Mm. basically you being a node and then your relationship, whether you're following or you're being followed is a link between the two nodes. Now, we can traverse this graph rapidly to get the insights. Uh, For Garo, the proteins, the amino acids are nodes and how they interact with each other. Are they connected? Are they creating the right type of gene expression? I mean, I'm going way beyond my uh, ability to understand this, uh, Gaurav. But uh, in general, you're trying to find the patterns. And and that's what graphs are good about. Graphs are about patterns. And we can analyze this using the different type of architecture because when you traverse, when I say traverse, what comes to your mind? Compute, memory, or network? Obviously, the I.O. and the network, because you're going from place to place. And that's what this is.
0: You know, it's almost like we've done this before, because literally my next question was for you, doctor. And it it falls right in line with what Nikhil was talking about. Doctor, talk to us about the role of genetics and finding patterns within AI for for those prone to have some of these various elements. And again, I, I think the questions and the answers and responses are definitely falling in line. And it's, it's helping to tell the story again of, I don't want to use the word collaboration too much, but, but it really is. And, and it's a, it's a positive thing, but mirroring, mirroring medicine, technology, science, all of this together. And again, now that we've heard what Nikhil has talked about from the technology side, how are you doctor now starting to put that into action, right? From, from the, in, in terms of actually helping folks with these issues?
1: So what I'll do is let me talk about the work that we've done, actually, and then and then how AI has contributed to what we have achieved thus far. And I think that will answer your question awesome.
0: uh, uh,
1: very well. So first we start about this. Uh, what are monoclonal antibodies? That's a very common thing that we ask. So monoclonal antibodies, these are proteins that are made in the lab that act like uh, human antibodies in the immune system. And then the other thing that we are asked very commonly is, what are the conserved sites that you actually are targeting? So uh, Dr. Joseph Kotropia, who is the inventor, and I talk about this very commonly, and we joke about it and we say that we have been learning the language of evolution. And what that means is that we are looking at uh, evolutionary biology. So we are looking at these viruses that have survived millions of years, So when they are faced with an adverse event or they are under stress, they go through these changes and we call them mutations. Now, that being said, there are certain functions in these viruses that are essential for their survival. So obviously, these are not mutated or changed. And at Enzolytics, we target these specific immutable conserved sites in the viruses with our monoclonal antibodies. So that's the, the, the crux of it. Now, let me tell you uh, what I'll do is I'll tell you the story of how this came about, uh, what we have, the work we have done, and how AI has, uh, has worked in our favor. So Dr. Joseph Kutropia, who is the inventor and an inspiration uh, behind the work at Enzolytics, he was treating his patients with HIV in the early 1980s. And as you all know, there were no therapies available for patients. So he did feel really helpless because he would see his patients die without receiving any treatment. And in his own words, he felt uh, helpless and he had to sit by the patient's bedside, hold their hands as the patients died. So out of this helplessness arose a strong desire in him that let me find a solution for these patients. I need to do something about it. And so with that, with that motivation, he started looking at sequences, and he found a conserved sequence, an immutable sequence, in the outer envelope of HIV virus. We called it as KLIC. And then he created these monoclonal antibodies that target this specific conserved KLIC site, and he called that antibody uh, clone three. And then we, what we have done is, we tested this, this clone three antibodies across five global labs, and these tests were done independently. And uh, we demonstrated a neutralization of 95% of all HIV viruses across the world. And these labs were the University of Vienna. There's uh, Harvard University, University of Southern Florida, uh, University of California, and Duke University. And this, the thing that we found very significant was that neutralizing capability of this antibody was uh, measured as IC90 of 5 micrograms per ml. So what is IC90? This is a very high standard of measuring the, the, the capability of an antibody uh the concentration of the antibody that is required to to eliminate 90% of the viruses so uh, that was very good and we wanted to take this further so we actually created these clones we call them recombinants and then we tested them further in our labs and we found that the ic 50, the 90 of this was 0.05 micrograms per ml so this is 100 times more potent than the parent antibody. And uh, th- this was uh, I mean, very, very potent, uh, as, as we said. And uh, now what we are doing is we are actually testing it at uh, University of Strasbourg in France. Mm. And quickly we're going into uh, animal studies. So uh, that was the, the thing, the work that was done with our monoclonal antibody. And then comes artificial intelligence. So uh, when the pandemic happened, actually, we really wanted to find a solution for COVID. Uh, and that's why uh, the artificial intelligence platform was started. I had the, the artificial intelligence efforts at Enzolytics. I'm very happy with the results that we have uh, achieved with this platform. And at EnzoLytics, we firmly believe in Leo Pasteur's words that in the fields of observation, chance favors the prepared minds. And I mm-hmm. think this, is, this holds true like for uh, artificial intelligence. The, the most significant potential for artificial intelligence lies in the innovator's ability to harness his power and use it in his or her own inventions and uh, and methods and achieve those goals. So we really understand the structure of the virus and based on our understanding of the life cycle, how the virus infects individuals, we built a very robust AI methodology and we looked at the largest database of HIV viruses, of 87,500. This is the largest known repository of HIV viruses. Mm. And we identified eight conserved immutable sites. And long behold, we actually also found that the KLIC sequence that was found 30 years ago was confirmed by our AI analysis as 98% conserved, as Dr. Kotropia had reported 30 years ago. Mm. So as I said, The principles for AI are the same. So we wanted to utilize this and and apply this to COVID-19 as well. And what we did was we looked at the largest database of COVID-19 virus isolates of 275,000. And of this 275,000, we identified about 50,000 virus isolates that were targeting the spike protein. Now, we know that spike protein is a protein that is responsible for the infection because of COVID virus. And it is the target for all the vaccines as we know of it. And what we found was we found 19 immutable conserved sites for COVID-19. And what is so interesting is because what we have said all along, that these conserved sites are essential functions for the virus, They do not mutate. When we looked at the variants of concern, the mutations that are occurring in COVID viruses, we looked at the South Africa strain, the UK strain, and we looked at the the Brazil strain, and we found that these conserved sequences were immutable and preserved there too. So now what we have done is we've prepared a cocktail of antibodies. Mm. Uh, now we are, are, are doing our animal studies uh, starting next month. And the, we've already discussed with FDA the, uh, the option of uh, expedited clinical development so we can get this treatment to our patients. So that's the, the success story from our AI platform. But again, I will specify what is the importance of AI what it has achieved. So we took 30 years to find one sequence. We took four months to find seven more sequences and we found 19 more sequences for COVID-19. Secondly, what we found was that these sequences were not just uh, unchanged in the COVID virus, but also in the variants of concern and they will cover any future mutations of COVID-19. And then the last thing that is so important is what we are saying is this is a blueprint. If a future pandemic is going to happen, we take the virus, identify the conserved sites, create these antibodies, and we've got a solution for a, for preventing future pandemics. That is why we're so excited of what we've achieved platform with our platform.
0: Yeah, that is phenomenal. I, th- there are a couple of things that I love. I love this conversation. I love the folks that are standing, sitting around me, and I love society and community. This stream was unlisted, but we there has been someone that has found a way, and we have over three hundred people watching it right now. So, and I love the the commentary that's going on behind the scene right now. I'm not sure if you guys can see it, but the reaction from folks that are that did log in that are seeing this unlisted stream is overwhelmingly positive, right? This is the way to go. This is the right humanitarian move. This is the thing that society and the world needs. As you gentlemen also know, I took the liberty of crowdsourcing some questions from the from the community. And I I got blown up. I I, in, in a good way. I got blown up in a good way. And those questions that were asked by the community, the majority of them have been asked or or have been answered by you thus far already there were some that were brought up about again the financial and the economic pieces and and this is not the forum for that we will probably do it another session to where we can bring in some other individuals and talk about some of those things because i i know investments and finance and and things of that those are important and folks want to know about that as well because you're really you're doing something that my old boss used to used to say trying to make a dent in the universe that, that, that old boss of mine was Steve Jobs, right? You're doing things on that kind of a level right now, right? And and I, and I think the community, the society, the folks that have snuck into the stream right now before it's actually published officially are aware of that. And, and But, again, that's the energy and that's the excitement about the work that you're doing. So kudos to you on that. Uh, one, one question I wanted to ask before we go into a couple of others, and this is one of the crowdsourced questions that was not answered, but, Doctor, I think you – are leaning towards one direction, but I want to get it from you specifically. Yeah. What diseases are next with AI, right? I, I know we're focusing on COVID right now. I know we're focusing on, on HIV and th- those are two big ones, right? Th- those are ones that really resonate and, and really need to have some types of solutions. But when, when you look at your sheet, right, your, your checklist of what, what are the ills of society that we want to make sure that we tackle with this technology and with this medicine and with this science, Outside of COVID, outside of HIV, is there something specific that uh, outside of that that Insolitics is looking at?
1: So we're looking at uh, yeah, that's a good question actually. So currently the focus has been HIV. That's number one. Second uh, is COVID. Both are equally important. Uh, we are focusing on these two, and then we are also looking at HTLV one, which is a which is a, a, a rare disease but has far-reaching implications because. It has implications in cancers, lymphomas. So we're looking at that option as well. And then, obviously, once we have it, what we are saying is we have a template. We can reach out to the other viruses. We can find solutions for the other viruses as well. So they are far-reaching. Uh, the impact of this this innovation is far-reaching and much beyond in HIV, v one and COVID. And so... That's why we're very excited about this—the potential of innovation.
0: Phenomenal. We've talked on how how everything started, how, how this this relationship started from the white paper, from the phenomenal white paper. And I will include a link to the white paper on the Intel site in, in the show notes of of this session. We, we've talked about what, right? Really, the goal of the white paper, the goal of the of the the, the unison between the two organizations, and we've talked about why. I now want to talk a little bit about what's next. And, and, and Doctor, I, I, I want to understand what you see as next uh, in terms of what you can and what you could do. We, we had some discussions about this during the prep call, and you almost blew yeah. my mind, just in some of the uh, concepts that you were bringing up. And I wonder if you could share that with us, please, for a little bit.
1: Absolutely. So first, I'd like to compliment the team at Intel, the analytic tools that they have developed are have will are going to have a major impact on healthcare as we see it. Nikhil has just mentioned Puma and Graph Analytics. We are also working with another technology that we think will have a, a great impact on healthcare is the three-dimensional imaging software that they have developed. Let me talk about the potential of this technology. What we are talking about is When we see interaction of proteins and molecules, we see them in two-dimensional spaces. In nature, it doesn't happen like that. In nature, it happens in three dimensions. So what we are looking at is we're looking at our antibodies and seeing how they interact with the viruses and looking at it in three-dimensional space. How that becomes important is, so when you have a 100% match, it's like a, a a hand in a glove between the antibody and the virus. That means you do not require any neutralization study. You do not require any further characterization of the antibody. That means the work that took two decades for HIV, four months for for COVID, we're looking at two weeks. In a matter of weeks, we can achieve that potential with this technology. Going forward, how does this translate, we can look at any drug and see how it interacts in three-dimensional space and we can say with confidence that there's binding, there's neutralization, and there's activity all in one go. And you're looking at not just infectious diseases, you're looking at cancers. So this is the next big thing and I must compliment the intel team for the, the analytic tools that they have been developing. I think if we were to work together, we can actually break boundaries and actually cause a paradigm shift in healthcare, as is mentioned in our white paper.
0: Fantastic. Two more questions, but that, that's only to be cognizant of your time, the, the three of you, and, and Doctor, I know you are halfway across the globe right now, so want to be I, I wanna be uh, cognizant of that as well. But again, I can continue this conversation for an extended period of time. Nikhil, I want to come back to you because there, there was a, there's a concept or there's a, there's a methodology that we didn't talk about, but I did take into my notes I think you can answer, and the concept of scalability wall, right And I wonder if you can can, can talk about that and how scalability, scalability walls can help to advance medical research.
2: yeah, this is this is a fundamental problem that uh, technology Puma is going after. So I, I mentioned uh, before that data is having trouble finding data. It really means that you are not able to actually analyze the big amount of data. Um, the typical question you will get is, "Hey, if you have more data, let's throw more computer at it, right? Let's mm-hmm. let's get more servers. Let's 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 do uh, you know, let's put thousand servers and they will crunch the numbers and things like that." But this is not a compute problem. What happens is if you throw more compute at a workload at some sort of workload that Gaurav is talking about where you are doing pattern matching and the workload is looking for actually network more io rather than the compute no matter how much compute you throw at it you will not see the performance going up okay mm. so this is the scalability wall this is the imaginary wall that you hit When you realize that compute is not a problem, you have been throwing compute at at this problem and you're not seeing the scalability across the performance. It's not a linearly scaling. So what the solution for that is, is that understand what is the shape of the problem. The shape of the problem Gaurav has or any life sciences bio computational biology has is identifying patterns across terabytes and petabytes of data. In order to do that, that data is not going to stay on one single server. It's going to go across thousands of servers. And you have to traverse that. You have to traverse from one memory location to other memory location and so on to build the connection, to build the pattern. Now, Mm -hmm. when I use the word traverse immediately, it means you need high-speed network and Mm -hmm. you need to solve that problem. Unless you solve that problem, you're not going to see the scale going up. So you will throw thousands of servers at this problem and you would expect, I'll get thousand times faster insights. No, you won't. Mm -hmm. You will actually not see that performance gain. You have to change your architecture and that's what PUMA is all about, is how do you break through that scalability wall Mm -hmm. so that you will get the performance that you deserve when your scale of the data goes from terabytes to petabytes to even beyond. Mm-hmm.
0: That was a softball question that I asked because I just wanted to hear the explanation. And, but but again, I wanted also fo- and appreciate you for for answering that. But I wanted folks to understand again, kind of that intertwining of the medical side and how Intel and the technology pieces are working together for the common for for social good, as as the title of of this conversation is going. Mr. Roberts, I'm not going to leave you out, sir. I'm going to start with you uh, with this last question that, again, was was posed from some crowdsourced efforts uh, from, from my end. What can the community, right, investors, followers, supporters, et cetera, what can we do to help Enzolytics, to help Intel accomplish this mission?
3: You know, I look at it from a society point of view. That's such a good question you know we all have representatives that are our voices when when we attempt to engage with the government that is here to provide us with freedoms or protections or healthcare in some case, in in some cases or you know whatever the case is right so that is the first thing i would ask you to do is definitely engage with you know your government representatives about technology and you know in the white paper i i I laid out kind of this uh you know roadmap of public policy drivers that i think will help to perpetuate some of the technologies in the in the um the the medical research and the in the the uh the cures and the the therapeutics that Dr. Chandra was referring to, right? I mean, you know, everything from perpetuating public and private partnerships, government investment is important, you know, doing research and really investing in ways that not only, you know, Nikhil mentioned data is having a hard time finding data, but then even when you do find it, think about this, James, when you find the data, are you finding the data of patients, patients, who, while they may say, it's okay to say, you know, uh, access data where I have a disease, but I don't want my name revealed. Wow. I don't, I don't want my birthday revealed, right? Yeah. So what are the technological um, mechanisms that we can use, like secure federated machine learning, where when data is trying to locate data, it can also protect mm-hmm. data. So investment, government investment. And government sponsorship and government backing of companies like Intel and companies like Enzolytics to make use of homomorphic encryption or differential privacy techniques, which are just fancy words for protecting the privacy, the right of ourselves as individuals, uh, protecting those rights while contributing to the common good, while having enough data to be able to contribute to the common good. So everything you see in the white paper is is our combined experience from my colleagues. And you look, You think of colleagues like Mario Ramal. Um, you know, Nikhil knows him. He's, a, he's our uh, global director of health policy, right? One of my heroes. We talk about heroes. Ricardo Masucci, David Hoffman, who is a professor at Duke University as well. Jeff Rittner, our chief government affairs officer. You've seen at the paper, Michelle Stout. Um, all of these people, we work in government because we realize that that is, uh, at scale, a way that we can confront a lot of these challenges, right? So that's what it is that I would ask viewers of this is, is the number one thing we can do is socialize the, 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 uh, the talk, socialize the things that you've learned in the white paper, and socialize it with your representatives in government. Because the more that they hear from their direct constituents, right, the more that, that it matches what we are lobbying them for.
0: Amazing. Thank you for that. Gentlemen, this has been pretty cool. This has been (laughs) and and, and I will say, you you know, you you know, you kind of may have made it when you're on Discord, because I believe that's where everyone has has picked up the link. So so that that, that's a good thing. But again, this is a a worthy discussion. Dr. Sandra, I see you got something.
3: Yeah. One more thing to before, Sandra, I'll I'll, I'll leave it with Dr. Sandra. Yes. No, 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 no. I I heard you ask, um, what's next? Yes. What I think that you've seen here, James, is three human beings who are so fascinated with each other's work Mm. that we will continue to be fascinated, and that is what's next. I am never going to stop being a fan of Dr. Chandra, Dr. Katropria, both Doctor Kotropia Kutro- and Mister Kotropia, I will never st- cease to be a fan of Nikhil uh, Deshpande. Uh, since I met him, he he he's been my you know the, someone I look up to and a hero of mine at Intel. And so um, that's what's next is we are going to continue to explore with each other. We've had talk with governments and people across the seas and Estonia and all sorts of stuff. And so um, it's it's a focus on the work, the purity of the work, as Doctor Chandra had mentioned.
1: Absolutely. Amazing. So, James, I have one word to say, actually. So, let me just say this thing, that there's a Sanskrit phase which goes as Vasudev Katumbukam. It says, Vasudev kam mm. What that means is that the world is one family. In this, all of us are connected. There is, a, And as the pandemic has shown, and as we've talked about it, that the pandemic has affected everyone. All of us have a personal story of loss, because of this pandemic. What we are suggesting is as technologists, as engineers, data analytics, geneticists, researchers, let us all come together with one common goal. Let us find solutions to this pandemic. That's what we are trying to say. And at this point, as Clifton pointed out, we would like to invite participation from government agencies in other uh, uh, biotech companies, uh, research uh, academic institutions that want to be a part of this this vision that we have for the future, and in that we can actually you not know, just like transform healthcare as as we've been saying all along. And lastly, I will say is that uh, let us not be the generation uh, that not only survived COVID, but the generation that came together as a group collectively. Found solution for this mm-hmm. pandemic and also prevent any future pandemics that may happen in future. That's beautiful. That's how we be remembered for.
0: Wow, Nikhil, it's going to be hard for you to follow that one, man. That 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 uh, was the, that was the one be, right there. It that's, is tough, <laughs> man. It is tough.
2: Uh, uh, you can't beat Clifton, and you certainly cannot beat Karo here. But I'll say only a few things. I'll say onwards and upwards. This you. is just the beginning.
0: I love that. I appreciate, gentlemen. Thank you for your time, but more importantly, thank you for your work, right? Um, I will definitely say that the world is watching, Um, not just, again, at the the financial pieces, the investment possibilities down the road, but for the real possibility of harnessing the power of, as we said, science and technology to rid society of some of these health-related ailments that have plagued us for so long, Again, I have, so I've put the link to the white paper on the screen there. I will actually make the embeddable link available in the show notes so folks can, can take a look at that and kind of get their insight in terms of what we've talked about and, and continue to whet the appetite, right? And continue to watch the, the evolution of the partnership, not just collaboration, but I'm going to say partnership of what's going on between Enzolytics and, and Intel. We will continue this discussion, gentlemen, because there is so much more to talk about. And as the work continues, uh, more and more folks are going to continue to be interested. Uh, But until then, I thank you, gentlemen, Nikhil, Dr. Chandra, Lifton Roberts. I thank you for your time. Have a wonderful day. Thank
2: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.